Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio. I'm Salim Siderwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Schuler. Hey, Edward, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. We were just talking about, uh, before recording started, how Wendell Carter Jr. is returning back to the lineup. So by the time people uh, have heard this, Wendell Carter Jr. will have played his first game back in a few weeks. So uh, that's really exciting. But yeah, I'm doing really well. How about you? Good, good. Yeah, like excited about the Wendell news. Uh, get some bodies back on the court. Hopefully get it back to the older rotation. I know Larry's a, little, a few weeks more away. Um, I'm not sure when out of order is supposed to be back. I think they said he was out indefinitely, right? So uh, yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. But yeah, we should have uh, we should have a nice at least more of a rotation today as opposed to what we've been having the last you know couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the defense it struggles a little bit. And Wendell Carter Jr. is our defensive anchor, and he still brings to me a, a lot of defensive versatility on that end. So uh, nothing but good things to see him back in the lineup, and uh, even more excited to see more minutes potentially for a Patrick Williams, Wendell Carter Jr. front court. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, that should be that's the interesting pairing that I like uh, going forward, and more versatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with those two on the court, I feel like it sees defensive versatility and it gives you more ability to pl- you know get away with a, a Levine and and Co- uh, Kobe White backcourt yeah. as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you know we're gonna have a pretty good show today overall. Kind of get into that. It's uh, figured we would talk a little bit about the 2021 draft and a lot's going on. Obviously, March is creeping up on us, but just. A lot of these prospects, people are have been watching them and, and really seeing how deep this coming draft is, not only outside of the top five, but, you know, a lot of people talking even the lottery in general. There's a lot of guys that you can find that could be have some really good potential and thought it would be a good idea to, you know, jumpstart that, even though draft is probably – not necessarily in a lot of people's mind, but a lot more people that are really more like, you know, into into the draft overall. They're, those people are really looking at it. But it's always good to talk about what prospects are coming up. And then also we'll continue to talk a little about Zach Levine because people keep slandering his name, <laughs> you know, talking, comparing him to ridiculous player comps and, you know, this devaluing what he does. So we'll we'll talk about that too. But joining us to have all those conversations, uh, one of our go-to guys for the draft in general is Corey Teleba of the Hardwood Herald. Hey, Corey, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm uh, always excited to be here on uh, my favorite Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm doing uh, doing awesome and. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to get into some conversation today about the draft and the Bulls. All right, great to have you back, Corey. Because uh, yeah, I, I admittedly I have not watched as much college basketball as I usually do, but it, and, <laughs> you and know that, what? I <laughs> and this sucks because I don't is blame you. Class. I don't blame you. I to to be completely honest, even though I I'm a draft guy, I don't like truly love college basketball like from a um like getting into the each team and their success and failure perspective. I really mm-hmm. just like scouting the prospects and looking at them through an NBA lens. So, you know, I, I can't, I can't blame you yeah. uh, given everything going on in the world. Yeah. But I'm, either way, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on some of these players. Really deep class. It seems like. Yeah. It's, it's a fun one. It's yeah. a, it's a fun one. Uh, I, you know, the 2020 class will always have a special place in my heart considering how long uh, 
the relationship lasted, but <laughs> this one, uh, sometimes it's, it's time to move on to, to new things. And, you know, so the, the 2021 class has been fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's, let's get into right into it. Uh, obviously this draft is heralded as a, as a very deep draft has a lot of names up at the top that might be considered like, you know, star, uh, star level talents, like really great prospects. Uh, obviously the number one is Kate Cunningham, uh, but other names have really started really popping out and people are starting to pay attention uh, more to guys like Jalen Shug. You got Evan Mobley, uh, Jonathan Kuminga, who's an interesting uh, prospect in general because he's not in college. He decided to go the G League route. Uh, so that's interesting as well. And I think Jalen Green is another guy that people are really starting to talk about as well that really has um, really, really, like I said, to open people's eyes and 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 maybe move up the draft where maybe a guy like Jalen Green wasn't as high as he currently is right now in a lot of people's boards. But, yeah, so when you really look at this draft, it's it's and a lot more names are to go as well, but it's, it's a really deep draft and people are really excited about it. Uh, as far as when you're looking at this draft, outside of the obvious names, like what are what are something your thoughts when you are trying to do your deep dives? Yeah, well, you know, first that this draft had so much hype to it because unlike last year, where there was a little bit of question um, at the top, where you know is Lamelo actually going to be the guy he could be? Is James Wiseman legit? You know, what kind of efficiency is Anthony Edwards going to have was there were all these question marks there's a little bit more certainty from this top five you know all those guys that you mentioned you know they have high floors and and just as high a ceilings as you'd expect um so that's that's kind of the difference um but unlike or you know similar to every draft like there's also guys who came in pretty hyped up and have underwhelmed and there are guys who have really helped their stock as the season went along who were, you know, have kind of come out of nowhere. So I, it is a really deep draft. It's fun. And there is a lot of interesting kind of NBA talent, um, especially with the way that the league is, is heading. So uh, there, there's a lot of really fun guys, like all spread throughout the draft that Bulls fans should have interest in, especially because, you know, right now where we currently are, are slated, um, before tonight's game they're like two and a half games out of the fifth seed but also two and a half games like being last in the east so the bull season from a lottery nba draft perspective it could go any which way like they could be scouting guys in the top uh of the draft they could be scouting guys at you know the the back end of the lottery or possibly even outside of the lottery so from a bulls fans perspective you know if things continue trending the way they are, you know, it, you're going to have to do your homework because there's going to be a lot of guys that the Bulls could possibly, uh, you know, take in, in the upcoming draft. So would you would you say that, well, well, let me start with this. To me, based on what you said, this feels like the first draft in under the new rules where it actually makes some sense to tank because – Theoretically, if you're the worst team in the league, and uh, if you're the worst team in the league, you're guaranteed a bottom five pick. And if you look at these draft prospects in the top five, they all look like absolute studs. So it, it really does seem like this is a draft where if you 
can be really bad than you should. But you re- you look around the league, you really don't see that many teams tanking, which is ab- which is interesting to me. And you mentioned that the Bulls are right now they are six uh, in this uh, on on the draft board right now. So one thing I want to ask you is. When when we look at who the best player that many feel like is is in Cade Cunningham, do you feel like he's really in his own tier, or do you feel like players like Evan Mobley or Jalen Suggs or Kaminga are like right there with him? Uh, personally, I think he's well above Mobley and Suggs, but I do think Kaminga is the type of talent who can kind of like creep towards his tier. But just from uh like especially talent wise, but I don't know. Cade is, is really special and he has a lot of those same qualities that Luca has, you know, the, just the, the aura about him, the confidence, um, the, the, the ability to read the floor and make plays at six, eight, he has the potential on the defensive end, you know, I think to be on the all defensive teams, um, you know, we'll see if that comes to fruition given what, he's inevitably going to have on the offensive side of the ball, the, you know, considering the load, but he just has so many special tools and I'm already seeing with him the same kind of, uh, you know, negatives getting thrown around that Luca had where, well, he's not like super athletic. He plays kind of slow, you know, uh, how, how much further does he have to grow? Like what, what's his ceiling when he's already doing all these, it's it's all the same kind of stuff. Now I'm not saying he's going to be Luca because Luca is averaging like, 39 and eight or something ridiculous like that, you know, but I, I definitely think that he's the kind of guy that when you're looking at the modern NBA, like you want your initiator to be six foot eight, 220 pounds with a seven plus wingspan who can make every advanced read in the book, shoot it and score off the dribble and really like have a magnetism that your teammates are going to respond to. I, I think he is like a no brain superstar franchise level guy. Uh, so I think he's in his own tier. And and I know that a lot of people love like Mobley and Suggs and I do too. Um, and even, and Kaminga as well. And Kaminga has been balling against actual pros and he looks like a man amongst men, you know, like he's in him, he's in a pro league, just doing work. But I, I think Cade's just in a, a, a league of his own, just because the playmaking that he brings it's, it's really hard to find. I mean, you see how much the Bulls are struggling with it with some really good players, and, and we're still looking for that. And Cade's going to come in right away and just be a guy who can make plays, um, you know, right off the bat. I, I almost feel like he's the – he's almost like LaMelo without any of the question marks. Like, that that's what he is to me. What do you make of this uh, Cade Cunningham? Like, uh, like people are trying to – downplay what he's doing and are trying to, I don't know if they're just trying to be hot take guys that are pushing him, you know, out of the top three. I've seen some boards talk about like Jalen green is better. Um, and, and just kind of having, you know, guys like Kaminga or Shugs or even Mobley above Cade. Like what, what's your, why, why do you think is that, is that like Cade fatigue? Um, or are they just, like I said, just trying to be hot take guys who are trying to, you know, make a name of their, you know, themselves on the draft community. Yeah, I think it's probably that. I mean, you know, like, let's say they have some of these guys ahead of them and a couple of years from now, you know, Kate isn't as great as, you know, his potential, um, you know, 
allows him to possibly be. And they can come back and point it out and be like, see, I told you, but it's not based in my opinion off of anything you would see with your eyes. I mean, the kid has done it all. He's come up in clutch situations multiple times and not only on the offensive end, I'm talking like big time blocks at the rim coming over. I, you know, I, I just, I don't know when you, I, I do think people are just trying to not have the same board, but look, people don't learn from their mistakes. You know, people like to make the same mistakes over and over. And Luca was not that long ago and people were making the same exact um, statements regarding him as to why he shouldn't go ahead. Uh, and so it's really just that. I mean, I mean, when you're looking at it from an NBA perspective, he's everything you want. He's got it all. He does. Talk to me more about Jalen Suggs, because to me of the I, I really do like Kaminga, but of the non Cade Cunningham prospects, Suggs seems to be the player for me, at least, that has become more exciting. And every time I watch him, I just love the way he plays. So tell me about Suggs and like what what do you expect from him as a pro and who would you compare him to? I, I absolutely love Jalen Suggs. Uh, you know, he is like a coach's dream. Heart, toughness. I mean, you know, third game of the season, he looks like he has like a really ter- like bad injury, like looks like it could be season ending. Comes back in the game like that he really didn't need to come back for so early in the season. He didn't risk, he didn't need to risk anything, just comes in, guts it out. Uh, you know, you'll hear a million times leading up to the draft that, you know, he was a football player and, you know, a quarterback and, and he, he does resemble one on, on the court. You know, he, he shows off that, that leadership, just grabbing um, the bull by the horns and just taking charge and the team plays at his pace. Uh, you know, I, I think Gonzaga is an incredibly talented team, but he's the one who's driving the car and, you know, he's not perfect by any means. You know, he, his shot is not like broken, doesn't have a bad shot, but I also don't think it's one of his strengths. His handle is like a little stiff, but he's an unbelievable hit ahead guard, just getting the ball in transition, finding athletic guys. And you pair him with a guy like Zach Levine. I mean, just unbelievable fit. Um, great size, defense, smart. He's, he's an awesome, awesome, awesome prospect. Uh, I would compare it like it's, it's a tough comparison and I'm going to say two names that probably make the, the comp seem like I'm like better than I mean it to be, but he has like a Brandon Royness about him and then a little bit of like Tyrese Halliburton-ness to him, uh, which are two guys who have obviously like Brandon Roy is, was an unbelievable talent. If not for injuries, you know, could have been a hall of famer uh, and Tyrese Halliburton has been amazing right out of the gates but I just see like the same kind of leadership qualities in him and the same kind of like never is going to get rattled. Just is just always going to be on winning teams and affect winning positively. Um, I don't think he's as talented as Brandon Roy. And I think he, he's not like the shooter Halliburton is, but he's like a better ball handler. He's somewhere like in between talent wise between those two guys, but like with their leadership qualities. What are your thoughts? Obviously you said you've liked Evan Mobley, uh, and as far as uh, bigs are always concerned, people always get um, 
kind of the rule of thumb is, you know, you know, you don't draft a big in today's league um, in the lottery anymore. You wait till the later rounds or obviously you can find someone um, and maybe in the second round that can come in. But Mobley is different because he's just such an elite athletic freak in a sense. Um, as a prospect, I was thinking, who does he compare to you in your in your opinion? I was thinking maybe like does he kind of compare to a guy like uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. when he was coming into the league, or is he more elite than that? Yeah, so uh, Mobley's actually like the first official film session that I'm releasing, which will be out later this week on my YouTube channel. So I just watched a ton of his his games, and um, you know uh, he, he is like a, a such an interesting and intriguing player because he does pretty much everything like really really well and he's like so long seven feet ridiculous wingspan you know the the nine uh but there are a lot of people that are also like trying to kind of oversell him like is he the next anthony davis and he's not like (laughs) anthony davis I, i i just implore people when they start thinking that to like not even watch full games just go back and watch anthony davis highlights at kentucky and Anthony Davis moved to like a six foot six shooting guard. Um, Mobley's not quite that agile. He's very long. Like his legs are super long. So I, I don't think they allow him to do that. He's not as fluid as a ball handler. I, Jaron Jackson is a good name um, to me. I, I think that he's definitely a better rebounder, um, but not quite the shot blocker. Definitely not the shooter that Jaron Jackson is, but just from a, a, a talent perspective, I think they're close now. Mobley, you know, his one thing is like, he is super skinny and he gets bodied by almost everybody. Like it's, you can move him off his spot super easy. Um, you, you know, he gets sealed really easily, you know, on rebounds or, you know, guards getting to the hoop. So he definitely is a guy that needs to get stronger and how much stronger will dictate how effective he is. Um, he also had a game where I don't think he attempted a field goal in, in playing major minutes. So like, how aggressive is he going to be as a scorer at the next level? But he's really come on um, from that perspective recently. To me, I you know I, I kind of think that he could be like Chris Bosh ish. You know, like I think his face up game is really good, um, and he's got those long strides. And I think that's kind of be going to be his bread and butter as kind of like a face up guy as a scorer. But I would say Chris Bosh, maybe not as aggressive, maybe not as fluid as early Chris Bosh, but that kind of effect and and the one thing that he does have that's really elite and and that i think is good for him because it's the nba is trending this way with guys like bam and you know uh, i don't want to say Jokic because he's on another level but just these guys that you can run and what we hope wendell is right like that you can be run as secondary playmakers evan mobley is a phenomenal passer with really great vision and part of that is he's so tall and so long that he could just see over the entire defense um but he makes really quick decisions. He makes those reads, you know, from the blocks to the weak side corner, uh, hits the, you know, use them as a roller, um, makes passes out of the short roll, which is perfect for, you know, the NBA. So he, he does have that going for him. And that's why I think he, that, that really helps him as a prospect um, because as a scorer, I don't have as much confidence in him as like in a, a number one and possibly even a number two option down the line. But uh, he, yeah, he's a terrific prospect definitely deserving of being in the top three for sure. And at worst, you know, top five guy. So you can't go wrong with him for sure, but he, he has his warts that I, I just, I don't know if people have really divin into his game enough, uh, dove into his game uh, enough to 
kind of pick them out with him. But he's really, really, really good prospect. Yeah, I was watching the uh, the Southern Cal UCLA game. Uh, I think that was like last week or it was sometime recently. And yeah, he's just like he's just arms and legs. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he yeah, he's it's, he's like yeah. he, you look at him, you're like, what am I watching? Yeah, <laughs> like, he's running down the court like he's very agile, but he's also not like as agile as I think people want him to be like he's, his offense one-on-one he gets a little it's like a little clunky you know his movements he's forced to pick his dribble up a lot his the biggest thing the biggest gripe I have with him is that he is like one of the worst screen setters I've ever seen like he literally never ever sets screens like he slips mm-hmm. everything and when he doesn't slip he's just in the way guys can get like any of us three could get over a screen that he sets which is not a good thing um yeah. but <laughs> you know it's fixable at least but yeah, he's just arms, legs, super tall. Just, I mean, he's mobile. He's defensively, he could switch, play drop coverage. Uh, he he could do it all on you know on the defensive end there. Except kind of you know if you got a Joel Embiid who's going to body absolutely body him in the post given his strength. But he's uh, you'll have to give him time on that end. <laughs> what do you make of uh, about an hour ago? Jeff Goodman uh, said that. Jalen Johnson of Duke decided to opt out of the rest of the season and uh, he was saying there's been off-court issues between Johnson and uh, Duke uh, going back as as far as early earlier in the season what do you make of that with Johnson and what do you make of him as a prospect yeah I I read that right behind uh, right before I hopped on the on the call and you know obviously I don't think there's like a ton of information out on it yet uh, he's had a lot of like really eye-popping moments. I mean, his debut, he had 19 points, 19 rebounds, five assists, four blocks. You know, he had another game, 24 points, 16 rebounds, seven assists, four blocks. Like he's had some monster games and then he's had some games where he doesn't play a lot, turns it over a bunch. Um, but I still think that he's probably for me right now and nothing set in stone, but I, I'd probably still have him in around the sixth spot um, if I were to put together a big board. Cause I think that, the way that he, you know, he's almost like, uh, like Ben Simmons light. Um, you know, I don't think he's the natural, natural playmaker, but he definitely has passing chops. And I, to me, I, I like him. I, I don't know enough about his current situation at Duke, uh, to, is it attitude problems? You know, is he just going through a lot with the pandemic is, uh, is it something else? Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know enough about that situation yet, but as a prospect, I mean, he definitely has NBA skills. Uh, and I don't, even with a guy like Ben Simmons who looked really disinterested, disengaged in college and, you know, it's who knows, you know, uh, but I, he's definitely an NBA talent, six, nine to 20. I think he's going to be able to guard multiple positions and, you know, even up to center because he protects the rim. He's he's an intriguing fit with a lot of teams just due to his versatility. Shot is not great. I mean, his percentages I think are pretty good um, from three, but you know, eye test says that uh, he's not going to be a forty plus percent shooter. You know, he's going to be a guy who's because right, it's on low volume, low sample size. He's he's definitely not that um, in my opinion. But yeah, he's he's super intriguing just as like a modern big who can kind of guard multiple positions, switch, protect the rim and kind of do a little bit of everything offensively. What What are your thoughts about the later lottery? I'm looking at some of these names that like Moses Moody, uh, Zaire Williams, Jaden Springer, um, Corey uh, Kispert. Um, now Corey is probably a little 
more maybe I don't know people look less on him just because he's a senior because uh, obviously the whole upside issue comes into play but what are your thoughts on some of those names and guys that you could think that could really pop and maybe even move up in the draft or just have really good potential there as well as yeah, Ira Williams interesting because he's he's one of the ball is life sensation guys you know the the highlight mix like and when you really dive into his game you know he's been really underwhelming he was you know, kind of like a top five guy at the beginning of the season. His stock has started to drop a little bit. I mean, he sh- shot it really, really poorly. Um, and part of it is like, you know, he's, I guess, I think people thought of him as like an elite shot creator and just creator in general. And and really like his handle is so kind of stiff. I just don't see at the next level him being a guy who's you're going to rely on to consistently create offense for himself. And you know, I guess it comes down to like, is, is the team that drafts him thinking that, um, does he think that still, because if he's used in a way where he's just kind of like a more off ball option, I think he's got a shot to be really, really good. Uh, cause even though he's, his three point shot has not looked good percentage wise, like the form is, is pretty enough. And again, I test, you know, opposite of Jalen Johnson, like I buy his shot, uh, long-term at the NBA level, but it's with him. I think it's going to come down to roll uh, Corey Kispert. Like you said, he's a senior, but you know, he does the one thing that I think at that part of the lottery, it's almost one of the most valuable things you could do. He is a, a just absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous shooter. Um, you know, like, I, and he's done it for four years, like ridiculous sample size for him. I mean, he's shooting 48% this year, almost and 90% from the line. And and to me, like when you're a, a when you shoot the three ball at that level, but then you also are a 90% free throw shooter, like your shot is legit. You know, he's a guy that you're going to be able to fit and slot anywhere. Uh, smart team defender. I, I think he's going to have trouble on quick guards out on the perimeter, you know, and if he has to bump up to the four, I, you know, I, I don't know, like not that his, he's not going to be strong enough, but he just isn't going to have the wingspan to really, stop anybody from shooting over him uh from some of these modern fours but just from a like an offensive perspective he's gonna have the kind of effect that you know i think joe harris has for your team you know he does a lot of similar things uh he's a good passer so you can kind of see him running those like jj reddick joel and b dho sets the the bam duncan robinson sets you know i think he's gonna be able to thrive off that if you have like a big man who can run that so like thinking in the Bulls' perspective, him and Wendell could absolutely run those kind of sets. Um, so I like him, especially like at that part of the lottery. Uh, definitely a guy that is not out of his element there. Um, a guy who I really like is Jaden Springer. I think you're going to see his his name pop up more. Uh, I think he's going to probably rise, but at, you know, as of now, if you look around the the mocks, he's probably around the the late lottery. Tennessee, just like kind of a pit bull, kind of has. Um, the the Kyle Lowry comp to him, which which I see, but shooting it really really well right now, and he just defends his ass off. So it, to me, from a Bulls perspective, he's another guy I like because I think he'd help out both Zach and Kobe, assuming that they're both here going forward. Um, so those those are the and Moody's Moody's fun too. Um, I, I want to see what he does the rest of the way. He's a guy he played uh, he played with Cade at Montford, um, and he's shown a little bit off the bounce 
this year where he was much more of like a spot up guy in high school. So he's, he's also another interesting prospect um, who's definitely helped his stock this year with his kind of ability to, to score it a little bit and, and shoot it off the bounce. Are there any international prospects you see gaining some hype and rising up into the kind of like top half of the lottery or just maybe even in the lot? Uh, I haven't dug too, too deep into most of the international guys. I, I think the most popular one is probably Josh Giddy from, from Australia, like six foot eight, kind of like point guard. Um, you know, he's, I think he's going to get kind of like the Rubio comp because right now he's not like a great shooter, but he's like a terrific rebounder, uh, really fun, really, really fun passer. Um, but, you know, his scoring, I think, is mostly at the rim right now. Little more, he's more athletic than you probably give him credit for. Uh, and again, he's 6'8", so he's got really good size. So I think he's probably going to be one of the, the more talked about international guys, but he's really the only international guy who I've personally um, dove into a lot. Uh, Usman Garuba is another guy uh, who is going to get a lot of hype. Um, you know, he's you look at his stats, you're not going to see much. You know, it's one of those situations playing for Real Madrid where, you know, he's just not going to get the minutes as a young guy um, this year, but show has shown the defensive kind of uh, potential to play like, a modern uh, power forward, maybe like small ball five. Um, so those are the international guys. I think you're kind of going to hear about most going forward. Right now, I guess so. we already talked about it. The bulls are, I think what sixth uh, position at the, at the sixth spot. Let's say they stay there. Uh, who, do, who are some names you think that you like uh, that could come in, maybe fit better with Zach, but also just, uh, come in and maybe, I don't know, fill a hole or just that are best prospects that you think the Bulls should look at? Yeah, six. <laughs> the sixth spot is, is, is tough. That's right outside that sweet spot that you, where you're getting like the, uh, the stud. Yeah. Um, you know, I know a lot of people like Scotty Barnes. Um, to me, like, I'm definitely a fan. I love how he, he, how hard he plays power forward from Florida state. Uh, obviously the Bulls, don't have a problem taking Florida state guys uh, up top, but to me, he doesn't rebound or block enough shots to kind of be versatile enough to, to man being a, a small ball five, you know, he's got the same kind of passing chops uh, where people like to call him a big guard, kind of like, like Draymond dish, but he, I, he just doesn't um, protect the rim enough. So I'm not sure how he would work in an hour front court and he doesn't shoot it either so it's another one of those situations where it's like if you're going Wendell and Pat and Scotty Barnes and some kind of trio there where's the shooting coming from in the front court like is it Jalen Johnson's an interesting name I guess we'll see you know uh what that situation how how much it matters what actually happened but I think from a talent perspective for me he's probably the sticks guy but after that I would probably start looking at Jaden Springer again he's probably he's not slated uh that high right now, but I think he's going to be a guy that starts getting talked about that way. But if I was in the sixth spot, I, I might think about trading down a little bit if, if I could, um, if I was the bulls given their roster and, and who knows what happens at the trade deadline, things might make a lot more sense. There might be a lot more clarity uh, where it's easier to just stay put um, at that point. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a weird spot just because from a, ro- a roster construction, 
you know, it's, it's not really what the bulls need. Uh, it's a lot of guys who can get buckets, James Booknight, you know, Moody, Kisper, Zaire Williams, you know, it's all these guys who can kind of get buckets and, and do things like that, but not a lot of playmaking uh, as of right now. But if the, if they drop a little bit more, you know, you start maybe talking yourself eventually into Sharif Cooper, um, who is probably, probably not that high, but his, his playmaking is unbelievably fun and, and legit. Yeah. I was looking at uh, possibly trade down because there's some teams that have two picks um, in this draft. So maybe like a thunder or like the rockets, maybe you can get and seeing how deep this draft is, maybe you can find two studs, um, maybe not have superstar potential, obviously, but maybe have some really nice potential and, and load up maybe on some versatility. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's definitely, um, I think would be a, a smart thing to think about, you know, you don't have to force anything, but it's, if there's definitely opportunity there to get guys who kind of fit what the bulls need going forward. I mean, even, you know, right now, I think he's going to continue to rise because he's been playing well in the G league bubble, but a guy like Dacian Nix, I mean, there's definitely question marks. His physique is, is questionable. Um, if you've watched him at all, but he's a guy with good size who could play with Zach or Kobe um, and is a, a really, really great playmaker and uh, can really get downhill and, and use his body to finish and stuff. Again, he's just, you know, got a little weight on him. Um, so there are guys who could definitely kind of fit the Bulls roster a little bit more at other parts of the draft. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, Jalen Johnson sounds really, really intriguing. I mean, just from the versatility standpoint with the passing and shot blocking and like, you could probably play him. At, I mean, you could play him at the four, Williams at the three. And I mean, between him, Carter and uh, and uh, Williams, I mean, man, that's a I, I like that trio like up front, at least from what I'm hearing, like defensively and especially passing wise. Like, I, I feel like there's a lot of versatility with that. So uh, let me ask you one more thing. What's uh what's going on with Jalen Green? Like how how do you feel about him since he made his uh G League debut? Yeah, you know, his I, I wasn't worried that he struggled a little bit in the first game. You know, it's the first game that those guys had played in a really long time because the the season started after the college season. He's playing against pros. So I I was just looking for certain things, but he's played way better since. Um and He's look, he's really, really good. He's going to, he's going to be a guy that he's the guy that shows up to LA fitness comes in and just scores on you without warming up. You know, that that's the kind of player that he is. And the, the interesting thing about him is, you know, you've seen him in AAU and in his high school tape kind of be that primary scoring guy who can get a little chucky. You know, I think a lot of the same kind of shots that Zach uh, takes, but then you've also seen him on the FIBA under 19 team when he was playing with Cade and Mobley and Suggs and Tyrese Halliburton, and Kyra Lewis and Scotty Barnes, and just an absolutely stacked all-star group. And he was playing a lot off ball, getting out in transition. And he was really impressive defensively. So, you know, he's, you know, the, the guy he reminds me of, and I, I don't mean this as a bad thing, <laughs> even though it might sound like it is he reminds me of like a young college Rudy Gay um, but he plays a little bit like, you know, I know Rudy Gay kind of had like those question marks about how hard he played. Jalen plays really hard, but just with the ease and of athleticism, the ease that he does everything, it kind of like, it reminds me of that. Um, he's fun, man. I, I don't know about 
for the Bulls, like, does he make sense? I mean, pairing him with Zach and Kobe, not necessarily, but he's definitely a really good prospect. I think he's going to get a lot of the same flack that a guy like Zach got early on in his career, where is he going to be able to make plays? You know, he, he's a tough, uh, a tough shot taker and maker. So, you know, he's going to probably struggle with efficiency coming out of the gate, but look, the one benefit, even though we have just started watching him this year, he's been practicing and playing with the Ignite team since August. That you know, they went to California in August. They've been practicing playing since then. And he's been learning the NBA game from pros, playing with pros like Jared Jack, Bobby Brown, um Amir Johnson's there. So he's learning the game from all of these vets. He's learning the game from an NBA coach. He's learning offense, uh, NBA offensive and de- defensive terms. So he, you know, he actually, you know, he's going to be a good test case for whether or not like this ignite program really translates. Cause it could, these are all advantages to him. He's not going to walk in to whatever team that drafts him and be shocked by all of the things that, that go on uh, right away. He's going to have heard it already. He's, he know he's going to know how to watch NBA film. So these are good things for him, and I think it's going to help him um, more so than than college did, especially for him. I think this is a really good decision for him, and he's been playing well in the bubble. He he looks like uh, he's on another level athletically there, which is a good thing when you're playing against pros. And um, you know now he's scoring and and doing it pretty easily at times. So he's fun and interesting. Again, from a Bulls perspective, it's it's a weird fit, but look, talent's talent, right? And if he's there for some reason for the bulls and he's the best player on the board, you know, he'd probably take him. I mean, if he's going to go through the criticism that Zach Levine goes through, I mean, man, it's going to, it's going to be hard here. And <laughs> you know, people wonder, Yeah, if- he could, he could, man. He's, he likes, he likes taking tough shots, um, yeah. but he can make them. And it's, I think it's a, the kind of thing that honestly, a lot of these young guards go through, um, you know, that aren't primarily playmakers first, you know, if you're not like a point guard who takes these shots, but is also, you know, averaging X amount of assists, you know, it's a little more forgivable um, where Jalen green, you know, he's going to, he's still learning how to make really advanced reads out of the pick and roll. So uh, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the, the situation with green. Um, again, if he's the best player on the board, I think that he's in another tier uh, talent wise and some of these other guys. So I, I definitely wouldn't be mad if the bulls just kept him and tried to develop them that way, but also like maybe he can fetch a pretty good haul too. So, you know, you can maybe look to trade him for something uh, worthwhile that fits the timeline and roster a little bit better. Well, so I guess, so like Zach, I guess Jalen Green should get ready for all the Monte Ellis and Jamal Crawford comps. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'd probably start getting prepared for it. But the other thing too, like, I think that, I think that he's going to be a really good defender. You know, I, if he, he has pretty, pretty solid defensive instincts. And again, he's already coming in with an understanding of NBA defense and terminology. So, uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to be a defensive stopper out of the gate, but I've had, I've seen him, especially in that FIBA tournament, have some really, really impressive defensive moments. Um, so I, I think that might be the one difference coming in for him, but you know, he's a rookie, so he's also going to have those moments where he looks like a rookie defensively because uh, most even like really good defensive rookies kind of suck defensively um, coming in. So but I think from a, a defensive potential, I think he might have a little bit more than those guys that we just talked about, uh, the, the Jamal Crawfords, the Monte Ellis uh, and the Zachs. But but yeah, he offensively, he's definitely 
got to prepare himself for those conversations. Yeah, definitely. It'll be interesting to see uh, how this draft in general, I think the top five is probably set as far as um, outside of Kate, I think some variation of the guys that Mobley, Shugs, Kaminga, and I think Green, maybe those guys are kind of going to be involved some way or another. Uh, not obviously not sure what the exact order, but uh, you probably kind of have an idea so far that's what it's going to look like. And then it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the lottery also shakes out, obviously, with all these teams. Uh, the, 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 the league is just in a weird spot, especially with the East. Like a lot of these teams are just I think there's like only four teams that are over 500. So it'll be interesting to see how the standings come out and, and what teams end up in the lottery as well. But, uh, yeah, as we move on, I know we, we also wanted to talk about uh, Zach Levine. Obviously, his all-star, um, you know, possibilities. I think, obviously, I think we would all three of us would agree that he should be on uh, selected as an all-star. But, you know, there's a lot of people when you go around, not only on national level, but on even, even locally here in Chicago, that for whatever reason, just don't want to give Zach the credit that he deserves. Uh, when you look at his numbers right now, as, as a scorer, at the very least, he's putting up an elite season. Uh, and, like we've talked about this on, on this pot, uh, show the last couple of weeks. When you look at all the percentages, is like his field goal percentage at, uh, when you mark it at 50%, his three-point percentage at least at 40%, free throw percentage at least at 85%. I mean, he's almost like a 49 uh, a 50, 40, 90 guy, but you get the idea. And then the effect, uh, effective field goal percentage and all that, and the points per game at high volume as efficiency to shooting percentages, well over 60%. Guys like that, historically, there's like a handful of guys that do that. So he's not getting the respect that he deserves putting up those kind of numbers. And again, people like I've seen like John Hollinger and Nate Duncan compare him to like Monte Ellis locally. Uh, on ESPN 1000, you've heard people compare him to Jamal Crawford, Monte Ellis, Lou Williams. Corey, what are your takes on it? Watching Zach play this season, the steps that he's taken uh, to progress his game, and when you hear those kind of comps uh, from people, I mean, I think they're way off. So I, <laughs> I don't. I'm like I get that sometimes it's hard to shake the moniker that you have early in your career, but you know, Zach's also a guy who's gotten better every single year of his career too. So at some point, you know, you just got to be like, you know what? I don't need to hate on this guy anymore. Maybe, maybe I was wrong. He keeps getting better. Even if it's incrementally, um, like you just ran through his numbers. The, insane. I mean, 28 points on like 19 shots. It's, it's stupid. And his playmaking has gotten better. I, I think he gives good effort defensively. Like, obviously we know he's going to get lost off ball sometimes. Um, Look, he, the Bulls are in a, a, a tough spot with, you know, all the the games that they've missed from a, a you know some of their the players have missed that he's playing. He's just got to kind of will the team to down the stretch sometimes and and at parts of the game, and he's doing it at such efficiency without a true playmaker. Uh, to me, I, he's been like guy that at the beginning of the season you kind of could question like, all right, is it worth? what he's probably going to want to be paid in the future. How much can you get for him? We have Kobe white came off a 10 game stretch at the end of the season where he looked like he was going to be this, you know, Gilbert arenas light type of player. 
Uh, so there were question marks. Now I now it's like, well, why don't we just build with him? Like even if you have to pay him, uh, you know, a ma- close to a max, a max, whatever. Like, what player are we gonna get given our current situation that we're you know is gonna be like so far beyond Zach? Um, that it's going to be worth giving him money that would want to come to Chicago. I, I think he's a guy that now you look at because he's still so young that you go, all right, he's he's a building block. He's not off the. T- I don't think he's a guy that you put take off the table by any means, but he's definitely a guy that you look to the future um, with, in my opinion. Uh, and and I think the way that the NBA game is structured now with scoring becoming such an easy thing, like it's tailor made for him on that end. Uh, so to me, I, I just want to find the right partner uh, for him you know, in the backcourt and the frontcourt, whatever it is. Cause I think that he's the kind of guy that eventually another really good player is going to want to play with. I think you nailed it because one, and, and we've, we've talked about this on the, on the past few shows, the bulls really don't have much financial commitment to the players on this team. Like long-term, there's really no hefty salary. So if you're just, if you just want to let Zach Levine walk, or you just want to trade him so you can avoid paying him the max, it's like what for? It's like the money you save by doing that needs to come to fruition for something else. So what makes this team appealing? If you just get rid of Zach and you just have, I don't know what else. <laughs> like there's, yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> that's right. Who knows? Like yeah, there's nothing appealing. It's, it's, it's the 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 unknown so much more appealing i guess if you're joe cowley maybe but um yeah i i just thought i think he's been so impressive this year and no player outside of like lebron is without their warts so yeah. sometimes you just got to accept like look the guy's really good let's let's try to take it to the next level and eventually somebody might want to come and play with him i mean you look at the some of these teams that have had success it's like not that many guys, you know, of these great teams have been built super organically. So, you know, eventually you're going to need to add pieces from the outside um, and make moves that way. So the only way that the those moves happen, that players want those moves to happen, is if you build in a direction that, you know, and a good NBA player would want to go in. And I think the Bulls are starting to do that. I think that they have a respect, uh, respected front office and coach now. And Zach is a guy that, you know, I get it. There's, I, if you're in, you know, uh, uh, on an, in another fan base, uh, you can make your case that another guy maybe should get in over him. Um, but there, it's undeniable that he at least, at the very least, belongs in the conversation and has played at an All Star level. So I say just build with him um, yeah. and and see see what that route does because, you know, we gave up on a a, a young guy who maybe we thought couldn't get better just a few years ago and it, it hasn't worked out super, super great. So <laughs> exactly. uh, maybe, maybe we yes. should, this time we should learn from our mistake. Yes. And that's why, that's why I find it so funny that there are people who have been killing the bulls for the last, however many years for trading Jimmy Butler, but now they also want them to trade Zach Levine. Like granted, <laughs> Zach Levine is not Jimmy Butler and that's fine, but Zach Levine yeah. is still really good in his own right. And he's averaging 28 points per game on ridiculous efficiency. And the second option on this team might be Kobe White, who hasn't been having a really good season. So it's, it, it there's no one, there, there's no one elevating Zach Levine, at least uh, from a talent perspective on the court to play as good as he has been. Zach has been doing this the last two or three seasons. As you mentioned, he's been getting better at it. 
he's been getting better at just being the player he is without a whole lot of help. And now he's at this peak of ability and it's just really impressive. Like I like no one really saw this coming. And I think a lot of people are just struggling to shed the narratives before this because it was always about, well, Zach has always played on losing teams on off numbers you know, defense, whatever, whatever. And it's like, at a certain point, you just have to look at Zach for who he is. He's a really good scorer. And as you mentioned, yeah, he's going to get killed on some screens here and there. He's not going to win any defensive player of the year awards. And that's fine. But he is really good. One of the best in the NBA at what he does. So that has a that has a value. And to me, it's telling and, and I'll keep saying this. It's telling that a team like the Knicks, granted, you can say whatever you want about their front office and how they work, but it's telling to me that a team like the Knicks want Zach Levine, and they're really not in that much better position than the Bulls long term to want a player like Zach Levine. So you should keep him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and you can't stress this enough. Like people will say, well, someone has to put up the points. Sure, someone has to put up the points, but they sure as hell wouldn't be doing it like the Zach is. Yes. They, they, they would be doing it like low efficiency, high volume, and just a lot of bad shot taking. And I'm not saying Zach is, you know, takes, you know, the highest IQ shots at all times, but his efficiency proves that if he was on a good team, he would still be a 20 plus point high efficiency score. Yes. No matter, it doesn't matter what team you're on. This is who Zach is. Yeah. It, it, he's, he has cemented himself as a building block at this point. And I, I agree, of course, you know, he's not untouchable. If you get a really good offer, then, yeah, it's worth considering. But it's hard to imagine at this point that you're going to get that type of offer. Like, I, I've been seeing people saying, yeah, uh, Kelly Oubre and Warriors picks. And I'm just like, what does that do for the Bulls? Like, <laughs> like yes, draft picks are fun. But at the end of the day, you actually have to use those draft picks. And you have to hope that one of those draft picks is as good as what you're giving up in Zach Levine. Hell, the Bulls were risky trading Jimmy Butler, and they're fortunate to get a player who like is maybe what like is like Zach Levine's probably like in the next couple of tiers below Jimmy. I don't know. So I mean, they were lucky just to have that. But continuing to play this risky game is just going to get you just screwed at the end of the day. So like it, it's clear right now he's a building block. Again, if you can find a great deal, then consider it. But it just those deals aren't out there, especially if if Bulls writers are talking about trading for Victor Oladipo and a future pick. Like, no. how, yeah, how is how is that? How is Oladipo a, a huge upgrade over Zach? If on at an all expiring because, contract too. <laughs> yeah, especially because like he he's all these injuries he's had. We really don't know what kind of you know player Oladipo is anymore. I mean, I can understand wanting to get Oladipo to maybe come and play with Zach, mm-hmm. as you know maybe you can figure out you know as a, as a backcourt. I know the fit is not necessarily perfect, but as a replacement for Zach, how is you know I, I don't get it. Yeah, he, he's he's still young enough where he fits in long term plans. He's 25. If he was 30 yeah. or 31, like I'd be like, OK, I get it. But he's 25. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To tell me tell me if he's not, you know, he doesn't just switch places with Jamal Murray. How, what is the conversation like? Yes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I'll say this. If the, if you switch Jamal and Zach, the, the everyone's around the league is shitting a brick. <laughs> I, I'll tell you that much because Denver will be better. 
Yeah. They would uh, they would flat out be better. I, I tell you that much because you have Zach playing off of Jokic. Oh my good night. Yeah, <laughs> I mean you know it's it's all situation, right? He, Zach can't help the fact that he was drafted into bad teams and and got traded to a team that was bad and now is trying to get good. And to me, we're we're moving in the right direction. We're trending in the right direction. You know the the Bulls have been very competitive this year. They've been watchable. They've won some you know some good games and Zach has been the driving force uh, behind it as, as one of the players on the court. Yeah. So, he, he's statistically keep having, him. Keep he, him. he's statistically <laughs> yeah, having one okay. of the best offensive seasons a bull has had post Michael Jordan. And probably even in, in the grand scheme of things, he's had one of the best offensive seasons a bull has ever had <laughs> statistically. <laughs> like it, it is really, it's up there. <laughs> it's unbelievable. He's, yeah. he's been unbelievable. He's, and it's like, you just look at the way the NBA is trending. Like, all of these teams are playing drop coverage and like, all right, you're just going to give Zach Levine this much room to like, it's, it's that even that is helping his playmaking get better. Like I think the way that the league is moving, like it's just like inviting Zach to keep elevating his game. Yes. Definitely. But Corey, thank you so much for always joining us. It's always a pleasure having you on. Uh, obviously please let our listeners know, uh, where they can follow you. I know you have some new things that you're working on. Obviously, let our listeners know about that as well. Yeah, so I just released a uh, NBA draft podcast called um, The Draft Dack, kind of a play on how we talk about NBA player, uh, NBA draft prospects, stock rising, falling. Are you buying? Are you selling on a player? Um, so that's that's really fun. And, and you know, we'll have some fun guests and, and try to talk about the draft in a, a little bit different of a way than, you know, what you might normally get. Um, going to be releasing another issue of the hardwood magazine uh, fairly soon. Don't have a, uh, you know, an exact date for that, but at some point um, in the near future, so we'll have issue two. And uh, as always, you know, for all my draft coverage and video breakdowns, you can head to the hardwood Herald YouTube page going to be releasing later in the week. Evan Mobley already have breakdown on uh, Cam Thomas and Corey Kispert uh, did a preseason on Jalen green and, and Cade Cunningham. If you want to watch some of their old stuff um, and I'll have a, a, a ton more coming out before the draft. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at hardwood Herald uh, for, you know, just conversation, hit me up and I'm always going to respond to you. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome, awesome. Appreciate, again, like I said, appreciate having you on, and you're uh, one of our best guests that we always have. So, yeah, follow Corey, uh, look at, read up on his work, everything that he does. It's always top-notch. Uh, Edward, any final thoughts as we uh, get ready to wrap up here? Yeah, uh, check out check out Corey's work. He's one of the best in the business, great at what he does, love his videos, just He's had it like his own unique style with it from day one. So again, check out Corey's stuff. Really, really good stuff. But yeah, uh, this was fun. Great ranting about Zach Levine and how all the haters need to put some respect on his name. So I, I loved every bit of it. And uh, yeah, we can uh, we can get off here and we can uh, check out this Bulls Pacers game. But yeah, um, I'm good, man. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I think every episode is going to turn into a Zach Levine rant <laughs> because people just don't want to respect Zach for whatever reason. Um, but we have plenty of time. We'll, we'll we have plenty of time. <laughs> no, exactly. We've got plenty of time, man, and we we have uh, nothing better to do, so yeah, we'll exactly. keep doing it. Uh, but, yeah, so you know, that's a wrap 
for today's show. Don't forget to tune in every Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Central on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net radio station. If you missed any previous episodes, you can find us on all major and minor podcast platforms. Please subscribe and rate us a five on Apple Podcasts. Thank you again to Corey Tulba for joining us and to the listeners for tuning in. As always, for Edward Shuler and myself. Till next time, Bulls fans. Bye.